0: Morning, church. Good morning. Y'all can bring the lights back up. It ain't at the movies. They got them in the habit. <laughs> I hope y'all enjoyed at the movies. Did anybody enjoy it? Y'all want us to do it again or no? Okay. Y'all need to speak up. We got caffeine out there. There's no excuse. But uh, hey, if you're visiting this morning, let me say welcome to you. I know we have several people out sick today, and uh, they are, we've been getting messages this morning that some sick kids and some families that are out sick. So why don't we do this real quick? You don't have to stand up. If you're beside somebody, grab their hand. If you're not near somebody, just reach out. Let's bless them. God, I thank you in Jesus name that your word says that you sent Jesus for us for our salvation and our health. God, that according to the Bible that blood brings us health. That you conquered every every sickness and disease. And God this morning for all those in our family who were sick. Father God, all those in our family who are struggling, Father God, that you go now and you bring health and life and strength to them, Father. And we thank you for it now. We thank you for the reports that on Sunday morning, right now, Father God, that healing began to happen. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I want to reiterate one thing that uh, Melanie was talking about. If y'all, they'll throw it up on the screen for me back there for our Christmas. Um, make plans to join us. I think, it's, I think it shows... I'm going to take this from the pastoral side, not the, not the father of two and family side, but I think it demonstrates something to our families and to people, even on Christmas when we say we're not forsaking God, we're going to go join the family, we're going to celebrate with our family, so, so make plans, demonstrate that to your kids, I think it's important in the long run that they see that God is always first, and uh, we're going to have a good time, Amen. Then I'll give you a little more on what's going to happen on January the 1st. We'll announce this the next couple of weeks as well. Um, but Melanie was telling you that we will not have service that, that morning. Um, it's just been my heart to be able to try to give the Dream Team some time off. Um, and because they make stuff happen every week. And there's always somebody um, that, that we're just dependent on because you guys are so important to what we do here. That we wanted to give you a Sunday morning off. And so we're going to be... Uh, Taking that morning off, and on the Christmas services when you're here those nights, we're actually going to be handing out um, communion at home packs, so that you can go on the first day of the year with your family wherever you may be, and do communion with your family. And I'm going to do a short little online video. If you want to wait until 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, the first to do that, you can do it that way, or we or you can do it. We're actually in the pack. We'll have a little piece of paper. That if you've never done communion or led communion, it'll actually give you step-by-step step what the Bible says on, on how we celebrate the Lord's table. Amen? Amen? We can do that together, so be planning for that. And uh, I'm appreciative to everybody who's putting in the work to get all that stuff done, because it is it is a lot of work. We're going to do a series this morning and next week that will lead us up to Christmas called Fear Not, as you saw in the, in the opener. I was reading... The, over, which I try to do every year, um, and I end up reading it ahead of time, just to, because I'm trying to study, but read over the Christmas story. And in the Christmas story, um, I noticed something that uh, I've seen before, but never really just pondered how it affected these people, but there's three different cases where the angel Gabriel, the Bible the, tells us of the angels, there were there were three main angels, one of them was uh, was Satan, who was the worship, basically the worship leader of heaven. He got too big for his britches. God kicked him out. Then there was another one, and one of the other ones, his name is Gabriel. The Bible calls Gabriel the messenger of God. Anytime in the Bible before, in the, especially in the Old Testament, the Bible referred to the angel delivering a message. That was Gabriel. And in the New Testament, the Bible tells us, during the Christmas story, that he showed up to deliver a message to three different people, four if you count. If you remember the story of John the Baptist, when, when John the Baptist's father was arguing about what they would call him, if you remember the story, God made him mute until he agreed to, to call him John. He writes down his name is John, and then he can speak again. So if you include that one, there's four. But we're going to look at three of these, of these times where the angel comes down, where Gabriel kind of shows up right in the middle of their lives, and he says to them, and we've, I'm paraphrasing it, he says to them, fear not. Hey, don't be afraid, it's going to work out. But he appears to Mary, to Mary and Joseph and to the shepherds, all individually. And I think we can really identify with them more than we realize. You know, we see it as kind of this distant scripture. This, it's a good story that we have the kids read on Christmas, and it gives us the feel-goods. But I think we can really identify with them if we'll just let ourselves. You know, the Bible says of Mary, in the, the Jesus story real quick, that the angel showed up to Mary and said, hey, you're going to have a baby, but it's not going to be Joseph's son, it's going to be God's son, that the Holy Spirit is going to, it will, will impregnate you, and you're going to be delivering the Son of God. And that's, that's, in a nutshell, the Christmas story. Well, in that story, when as you can imagine, when Mary goes to tell Joseph, Joseph's like, I don't think so. So Joseph, but he was a good man, the Bible tells us in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says Joseph, her fiance, was a good man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. He was trying to help her out. But if you really think about it, who else was he trying to help out? Yeah, he was trying to cover his own rear end. Like it was noble, but he was really, there was part of him that's like, I got to I got to abandon shit while I can. You know, i got to get out. But then the Bible goes on and tells us in, verse, in the next verse, he says, as he considered this, what was he considered? He was considering what the angel shows up to tell him was going to happen. And he tells him, hey, this is how it's going to happen. You're going to call him Jesus. Here's the story. But Joseph was like, I don't know about this. And then, he, then the first time we see this phrase, he enters this phrase. He says, as he considered this, the Lord appeared to him, Joseph's son David. The angel said, hey, don't be afraid. You're going to take Mary as your wife. The child's going to be born. And everything's going to be okay. Then I notice what the next verse says in verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, because he came to him in a dream, as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He did what? He did it. He had to move. He, he had to go ahead with, with the plan. Now listen. This is where I think it could be any one of us. God could show up in any one of our lives. Most of us, I hope, good men, good women, trying to live godly, trying to listen to God, trying to do what God asks of us every day, to be responsive, to to give, to tithe, to be generous. He's just doing his best to live our lives, our year, our week, our all planned out. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. And our first reaction probably would be a lot like Joseph. And again, that's not to go, Ooh, God, thank you for choosing me. It's how do I get out of this? It's a friend of mine that you guys may remember, Joel and Heidi Hazlip, who were, they've been missionaries. They're back in the States now, but they lived in Burkina Faso, West Africa for 15, 20 years, a long time. And I always joked with him, when you asked God, when you told God you'd do whatever he asked you to do, did you ever think about bailing when when his first response to you was, you're literally going to Africa in the middle of nowhere? And in his case, it was no. But I have to think that's the exception to the rule that a lot of us would be, if God said, this is what I'm about to do in your life, and this is what I'm going to ask you to do for me, that we would be in fear. That our first reaction is fear. To abandon ship, to get out. Because here's what the truth is. The devil sets fear against our faith. God says, I'm going to ask you to do this. You're going to have to do it in faith. And the devil immediately puts up, puts up fear to say to us, "Oh, you can't do that. It's never going to work. They're going to make fun of you. Everybody in Sylvania is going to know you're a nutcase. Right? You really believe that Jesus can heal. You really believe that God's got something bigger in this world for you to be a part of. He wants us to fear anything we face. Really, jobs, marriage. Does anybody bothered by the? Uh, this is a look into my to who Clinton is. Is anybody bothered by things they can't control? Yes. Y'all are nodding, but nobody's raising their hand. Yes. I hate it. I hate not being, not being able to fix things. And when they're not in my control, it makes it even worse. I remember when. When Melanie and I were, were dating just before we got engaged, and we were at ORU. You've probably heard me tell this story many times, but we were at ORU, and she was a dorm director, dorm, RA, head RA, something in the dorm, and she was in an all-girls dorm that I couldn't get in. And she was sick. And here I am trying to play the good boyfriend, the good soon-to-be fiancé, and I'm trying to like, go take care of her and send her chicken noodle soup and medicine and all, and I can't get to her. And I would have to resort to finding other girls going into the dorm and, like, bribing them. Hey, I need you to take this to the fifth floor room, whatever, whatever and go take it to her because I can't get there. I need you to help me. And I'd throw the pity party on them. Just not being in control. The devil sets this fear up against my faith. Now, did I have to get to her to believe that God could heal her? No. But this fear of mine that I'm not in control just made it things worse for me. It even sets us up, though, to fear what God wants us to do. The things that God may ask of us, or is asking of us to do. See, Joseph and Mary had to be afraid of what people thought, right? They had to be afraid of of what their reputation was. They're worried about people, what they think about them. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but think about today's society. That we're all this way, that every post we do, everything we post on the internet, every fish lip, every picture of your kid eating what he's had been eating the the 15 days before, every picture of, I was laughing last night as we were in in town for the Christmas thing and had the new big Christmas tree in town, and Melanie looked at Mabel and said, okay, why don't you run over there with Emma, we're going to take a picture in front of the tree. Of course, Mabel being 13 refused, like ain't no way, it ain't happening. But then all families all night long, and y'all are all posting them all night long. Here's my happy family in front of the tree. Here's my happy family in front of the tree. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But if we're honest, we're trying to communicate to people to get you to think about me in a certain way, because this is true, that everything we post has one soul. And no, I didn't misspell it. One sole purpose is that we're trying to get you to think about our soul, who we are, the real me, in a certain way. Right? I know I'm right. Y'all can just agree with me. Because we all do it. We all choose our social media. We choose what we wear. We choose everything about it so that people think about us in a certain way. What's the devil using that for now? Well, now he's trying to get what you think to override your faith, because fear is overcome by faith. He wants to, we are attempting to try to get the world to see the way, us the way we want to be seen because we're terrified if they don't. And a lot of us won't do what God asks us to do because we're too afraid of what people think. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that God didn't even give us the spirit of fear. But he said, I'm going to give you power and love and this, this version says self-discipline. One version says a sound mind to go do what I've asked you to do. And I'm convinced Joseph and Mary had to be going through this. Look what the Bible says in 1 John 5. This is out of the message paraphrase. It says, every God-begotten person, every person who knows God, conquers the world's ways. So you're going to have to fight against it. You're going to have to fight against the, the world's trying to, trying to uh, get you to see pictures their way, see life their way. Look what it says, how, that, how you conquer. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our, say it with me. Come on, say it with me. Our faith. faith the person who wins out simply over the world's ways. The one who believes in Jesus. You see, the devil is setting everything against us. And I'm, I know he had to be with, with uh, Joseph and Mary putting everything against them. They were just, once again, trying to follow the rules, trying to follow what God had for them to do. Follow for them would have been within the Jewish context. In the Jewish tradition, marriage actually has three distinct parts. The first part, and uh, if y'all can imagine doing this today, the first part is both families and parents have to agree. They say, this, I'm going to give Joseph, we're going to give Mary, and we, we're approving. And they would make a formal announcement. We approve. The second, the second stage, which was the stage they were in when the angels showed up, was the public announcement stage. They agree, we make an announcement. The third was actually the ceremony, which we would know as a ceremony, and then that's when they would live their lives together. Up until that point, they were not, they were not together, and they were very strict about when they could be together. So I want you to think about what was asked of these two. Think about it in the context of our lives. That God shows up asking something of you, and it may be the first time. From what the Bible tells us, it doesn't tell us really either way if this was the first time that Joseph and or Mary had felt like God had given them some direction. But nonetheless, if it's our first time, I can imagine it would be quite an experience, and it wasn't just like God showed up and said, listen, I just, I want you to put five extra dollars in the offering, or I want you to go pray for the person at food line. I want you to do something like that. To me, fairly simple. The Bible says God said, no, I'm going to show up, and oh, by the way, you're going to have my son, and he's the savior of the world. You know, let's start with something small. I had, it had to be a big deal to them. So what makes us so afraid of God's plans. And I had to ask myself this, this question this week. The first one is, am I living for my outcome or our outcome? Or is this really about His outcome? And that's my motivation. His plan. You see, a decision Mary and Joseph had to make. And here's the truth. Not fun, but it's the truth. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. I don't think God really says, oh, well, let me wait. I'm going to go down and I need... They're they're praying for me to come do something in their life, but it's not really convenient now for them. So let me wait until it's convenient. See, a a lot of us, that's what we expect of God. See, the angel Gabriel goes to Mary to tell her what God's plan was. And the Bible literally tells us, if you look in Luke 129, it says that she was confused... And what? And disturbed. I had to ima- I have to imagine. This is just me. This is the version by Clint that she was. Huh? And what you talking about, Willis? Anybody remember that on the show? For all of you under the age of thirty, Google it. Like what? All of you under thirty it would be the emoji face. Like. You want me to do what? Even, even for them, I mean, and you have to imagine, most people think she was 12, 13, maybe 14 years old, a teenager. Did it fit in Mary's plan? I'm sure it didn't. What, and this is modernizing it to our way of, of thinking. What was Mary doing if she was engaged to be married and they had made this public announcement already? She was planning a wedding. She was watching 5,000 episodes of, you know, Say Yes to the Dress. She was talking to caterers, picking out cakes, spending all her daddy's money, right? Trying to figure, you know, do we want centerpieces? Do we want live flowers or fake flowers? Do we want runners? Are they going to throw rose petals? Are we going to do bubbles? Are we going to throw bird seed? You know, what's even culturally appropriate anymore? She's worried about these things. She's not thinking about what does God want to do in my life. It had to bring her to say the huh. And she had to actually say this to God. I think she said this. I, I have. She says, God, you're, just, you're interrupting my plans. This is not going to work. This is never going to work. Do you, do you not know me? Because I think we, God looks at it a little different. What we call interruptions... I think God says, no, I'm giving you an invitation. This is an invitation for you to join me and be a part of something bigger than you. This is an invitation. This is the time now in my life when I look out across you guys and even looking into the camera, thinking about who's on the other side of that camera, that when you leave our office door and you come out of the office, over over the door there's a sign that we put up that says, thank you God for choosing me to be a part of this team. It's my honor. When we look at God that way, this is an invitation. This is, this is the equivalent of us saying, of me getting a letter in the mail, and put politics aside for a minute, getting a letter in the mail. said, Dear Mr. Williams, you're invited to Christmas dinner at the White House, and it gives this time. Now, we've already got Christmas plans, right? Supposed to be here on the 24th and 25th, right? But the White House sends me an invitation? Y'all going to have to find somebody else. See, that's not an interruption. That's an invitation. You la- y'all may laugh at me, but I've been telling Melanie for years, and, and I still think it's going to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. But there was one day I was, I was, watching, I was watching the news years and years ago. This was after uh, George W. was president, so he sometime after that. And I just told Melanie one day, I, just, I feel like one day I'm going to get to meet him. Hasn't yet. But the day it happens, everything else is canceled. I get the invitation, I'm gone. See, I think we treat God just the opposite of that. We get the invitation, it's like getting the the five Christmas parties you got to go to that are all on Thursday at 6 o'clock, right? And you get to choose, well, which one of these least, well, I don't really even like them and food last year was terrible. So let's put that one up. Um, Now, this one was fun. They gave away some good gifts. We're going to hear. And I think that's how we treat God. But Mary had to make this decision of deciding, okay, God, this is not interrupting my life. This is you inviting me to be a part of the biggest thing to ever happen to humankind. That's a big deal. To have him participate in our lives. To affect somebody's eternity. To make a difference. And here's here's the, the kicker of all this. There's not a thing different what, than what God's asking you to do today. From her all those years ago. Asking what we say every day. That you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then go make a difference. And make an eternal difference. There's something behind that. The angel says to Mary in Luke 1.30, says, hey, don't be afraid, so fear not, for you have found favor with God. Now answer me this. When would favor with God ever, under any circumstance, be a bad thing? I'll wait for your responses. Anybody got a good one? Like, nah, can't do it today. We already got dinner plans. Like after church, say, yeah, you know, mama's got the ham in the oven. If we don't get home, she gets angry. Yeah, I'll, later, God. You can give me that favor later. And we laugh about it, but that's what we do to God. God, I'm, I'm afraid that's not going to work. You don't know me. You don't know how I am. You, know, you don't know where I've been. You can't use me to stand up and speak to people and tell them about you. I'm not any good at it. You don't understand where I've been in my life and what I've thought and what I've said and who I've been with and my story. God, you don't know. Now, be honest. Has anybody ever told God, you just don't know? Good, I'll be the only one. Like, really, God, you're looking at me? You want me to do that? I don't think I have that skill set. And I remember God telling me, well, I didn't ask you what your skill set was. I just asked you if you'd do it. And I think that's what he was asking Joseph and Mary, to go make an eternal difference. But I dare, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a stretch to say, see if you disagree with me, that Mary and her life's plan wasn't planning to be the world's only pregnant virgin giving birth to the Son of God. Like when she was a little girl drawing out her wedding pictures and you know clipping pictures out of magazines and putting her life together, of what she wanted it to be like, maybe sketching it in a book, nowhere in that mix was pregnant virgin, Son of God. That's not what she said, but God said, hey, this is what I've got for you. She had other career, life, family, college, businesses, things she wanted to do, places she wanted to go. But I think she ultimately came to this realization that God's purpose might be different than your plans. That our plans are so narrow, and I'm coming to realize this now, and I hate to say it, but in a lot of ways, too late In life, but watching God make up for you. But there's so much in my life I live thinking, okay, God, I'm going to follow you, but it's got to fit within my plans. And I thought of anything outside of those plans were bad. But now I'm realizing that God's purpose for me probably is different than my plans, and they're much wider, much broader, much more impactful. To be a part, I mean, I'll be honest with you, to be able to be a part not just of a, of a city, but a, a community and a church family that's changing lives. That's, that's pulling people back from the brink of ending their lives. That's pulling people back from the brink of divorce. That's, that's believing for healing. That's ministering to kids over there. Who maybe have never known this, the love that you and I know. That we get to be a part of it. We have all these things in our life, but yet we still ask God, why? But you know what? So did Mary. Look at Luke 1, 34. Mary asked the angel, huh? I, how can this happen? And she makes this statement again. We all do this. Again, we tell God what he already knows. you think God in heaven went, huh? Man, this ruins my plan. Yeah, we do that all the time. God, don't you remember, like, I was an addict. Don't you remember, God, like, I was messing around, sleeping around. Don't you remember, God, I was a thief. Don't you remember, God, I've been to prison. Don't you remember, God, all these reasons why we can't do something. And I think God responds much in the same way to all of us. It's not insane. This is what I've asked you to do. God, do you know what I'm about to do in my life? Mary, would I? Hey, my marriage hadn't even happened. Marriage is not even a complete. I can't do this yet. What are people going to think of me? See the bottom line for this today. That as Christians, the Bible says that God has something for us. He's orchestrated opportunities. I call them them divine crossroads. And I don't know if you've been to one yet, but if you haven't, you will, because my prayer today is that God give you one. I think Mary had this divine crossroad. Her life, God's plan. And we see it like this and God coming over, but I don't think it was that way. I think God had their plans and he was just waiting for that right moment, for that right person to show up. And my, my, my request to God for you for this Christmas season is that you come to one of those crossroads. Ushers, you can do your thing. You come to one of those times and when you say, God, there's no, no denying. You've asked me to do something and I, and I need to make a decision now to follow. Mary had that. Mary had that decision to make. And the angel tells her this in in verse 37. He says, Mary I know you think this is not going to work, but nothing is impossible with God. One version says that God's plan is never going to fail and the reason I'm asking you this morning to to pay attention for a crossroad is this in just a few minutes when we're done Melanie told you we got something for you out there that I don't know a couple of ladies baked several thousand cookies it's been hard in my house the last couple of days <laughs> it smells like cookies They put together these packages out there. And what I'm asking God to do is to bring somebody who needs to know the same love that you know and you, with your little care gift, and just like the angel did, God's going to show up. Sometime this week, maybe next week, we don't get rid of them, we can come back, we're going to give all of them away. There's hundreds of them out there. But we're asking you to take one and let God give you somebody to cross paths with. I'm not the angel Gabriel. I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Bible says for you the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He'll tell you. He'll guide you. He'll point you to the person. I'm believing even as you pick up the little thing that somebody jumps into your your mind. Somebody you know is not going to be in church on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. Somebody you know that won't come next week to to hear the kids. God's going to give you that, somebody. You see, when faith overcomes fear and we choose to follow obedience, just like Mary and Joseph did, we can't say, God... This never going to work. The working it out is not your issue. Some of y'all, most of y'all probably know Emma, my special needs daughter. (laughs) Sometimes, I tell you, everybody tells, oh, she's so sweet. She's so precious. Yeah, well, y'all take her for a little while. But in the part of her learning process, she wants to tell everybody what to do. Nothing like your daughter come and say, Daddy, it's time for you to take a bath. No, it's not. I don't want to take a bath right now. Stop telling me. Mabel, dry your hair. Mabel, take a bath. Mama, it's time for lunch. Every day, 12 on the dot. It's time to eat. It's just, she doesn't care about the outcome. She just says, I'm in control. And we tell her, it's not your responsibility. You don't tell Daddy when he eats and when he has to go to the bathroom. That's our job, to tell you. Tell your two-year-old, you, you time to you go potty. Not me go potty, you go potty. But see, here's the problem. We worried about the outcome. And you need to know this. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Mary and Joseph did not have to worry about how this baby was gonna happen they just had to go okay you don't have to worry about what are they gonna say when I give them this gift that's not up to you that's up to God we're gonna pray just a minute before we sing again that when you come to that person that beyond the goodness of those cookies, those chocolate chip cookies, that you have resisted and not eaten, and you come across that person that somewhere in that exchange, just like the angel Gabriel showed up in Mary and Joseph's life, that person suddenly feels the overwhelming power and presence of God and will respond to it. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. God, I thank you. My request today is twofold. First, for all of those in the room, and they're saying, "I don't even know Jesus." That thumping they feel, you t- you intervening into their hearts now today for the first time, God today, that they may know you. That it's simply you knocking on the door of their heart, and them saying yes. If that's you this morning in the room it's not complicated it's not difficult the Bible says you believe it in your heart you confess it with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God he was born of a virgin died on the cross came back for us and will return again the Bible says you believe that and you're saved now he's got a purpose for you to walk out if you if you're at that point this morning then it's a simple prayer Something like this. You can do it right where you sit. You can do it online. We just, want, we just ask you to fill out the card in front of you. Just let us know so we can encourage you in what's next. And it's just simply this. God, forgive me for my sin. I receive Jesus. God, help me do better. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name. Now for the rest of you, again, if you bow your head, close your eyes. Here's my prayer today, God. And when we leave here and we pick up those gifts, God, we're just not gonna be just handing over a present. God, but when we leave here, we're gonna be intervening in somebody's life just like you showed up into Joseph and Mary's, just like you showed up into ours. And with God, we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, through some simple cookies, God, you're gonna show up. And there are gonna be people who show up here because we decided. In that crossroad, in that that point in life where, God, you intersected our lives, that divine crossroad, God, we're obedient, God, and you're going to take care of the outcome. People are going to show up here. People are going to meet you. People are going to find healing, find freedom. Because we decided, God, in celebrating the birth of your son, to put hands and feet to it and show people your love. God, for every person that shows up, we're going to give you glory. We're going to give you honor. We're going to give you praise. We begin to speak the name of Jesus into our community. And we thank you, God, that it's going to come back in the form of souls and people and life. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.